Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Wilson. And Erish Chernevice. And a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talks, Rebel Yell. Hey, come on! Well, when a show likes to rip your guts out, it likes to rip your guts out. That's what's happened in these first four episodes of Star Wars Rebels, and we're going to break it down. Big four big episodes to talk about. I mean, they came back from their mid-season break with... Um, Let's just uh, look. I'm going to say it like I said in a text in a text uh, group the other night. Kanan is dead, and nothing's going to change that, or is it? Who knows? No. No. And uh, I'm Steve Glosson, and uh, <laughs> the bearer of good news. And with us, of course, is uh, the lovely, the talented, the powerful Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. No! Sad times, sad times in, in Star Wars Rebels world. And we're going to talk about it and get your reaction. And I've seen a lot of other reactions, some fun reactions on the, uh, our friend Matt Clifton had a fun reaction oh, on the Facebook. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> and of course with us is, uh, he's my brother from another mother. What else can you say about him? It's our friend Eric Chernevice. Steve Glasson. Teresa Delgado, mine at last. <laughs> is that your emperor? Yeah, I can't do a good. <laughs> is that your okay? I, I didn't know if you were trying to do um, rook or what. I didn't. I was like, no, what? I can't do a good emperor. Mm. My sheave is horrible. Your sheave? Well, let let me try. <laughs> My sheave is sheave. Ezra Bridger. How's that? There you go. Okay, that That's was good. Perfect. Thank you. Wow, you were a lot kinder to me than I was to you. Now I feel guilty. So I tell you what, guys, um, I feel like we should have brought in our friend Shaz Bazaar on this because he's been hollering uh, for what these last for the for the whole uh, situation from the last two episodes. So call him up for a long time. We may, we may, but first let's get into let's just jump right into everything. Um, Jedi Knight and Doom. That was the first two episodes. Of, that was our our welcome back, if you will, from. Uh, the season, the mid-season break, the mid-season hiatus, and what a welcome it was. Erish, um, feelings and thoughts on that, uh, that that first hour of Rebels back? Oh, come on. Feelings and thoughts. Just nothing That's but like... feelings. <laughs> yeah. Bro. You know, we lost our Jedi Master. And you knew it was happening from the very start. Just the, the, the opening of it with him just kneeling there looking at him like, oh, this is it. Mm. No, you didn't. I didn't. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, and then when he tells Ezra that he's got to take Lee, I'm just like, oh, mm -hmm. this, this is it. This mm -hmm. is going to be it. No, I'm not ready for this. There was a very Obi-Wan Obi from Star Wars moment when he kind of looked at Ezra and it, he... Like, he might as well have said the Force will be with you always. Um, as if this is the last time we'll see each other. Well, 
Well, but he kind of did. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like you he, know, he, he stopped Ezra and Sabine, and he's like, "May the force be with you." And then he just falls off the ledge, which was so. That awesome. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Teresa, how are you? How how are you holding up after these episodes? Oh man. Well, last week it was just great timing for this episode. It was like two days after the anniversary of my grandfather's passing. <laughs> And I was not ready for it. And I didn't expect Kanan to die. And I broke down into about 30 minutes of uncontrollable crying. So thanks, I mean, it was I was ugly crying. It was bad. And then 30 minutes of kind of like half crying and then saying, oh, and now I have to write a review. <laughs> and now I must get to work. Thanks, Dave Filoni and Carrie Beck. Yeah. So last week was very... It was rough. I didn't really process Doom because I was crying so much. Mm -hmm. And then this week, my brain was like on fire because I'm like, what is happening? I was confused. I was. It was like when I saw The Matrix for the first time. I was so confused. I was just staring at it going, I think I have to watch this like five <laughs> times before I can figure it out. And then, of course, Ahsoka lived, and I was like, that's cool, but did she really live, or well, is she, like, half-living? I don't, I don't we'll know. We'll get there. We'll get there in a minute. Let's, let's tackle these two weeks uh, one at a time and not get ahead of ourselves too much because yeah. there is a lot in those first two episodes in Jedi Knight and Doom, and I think that Doom is surprisingly dense. Um, it is. It feels <laughs> like, it, it does feel like a big letdown after everything that happens in Jedi Knight. But if, when you go, it's like Teresa said, when you go back and watch it, there's, there's a lot of layers to what's going on. Um, but before we really jump into that stuff, I just want to talk about some of the fun stuff that was in, in these first two episodes. First of all, the whole Thrawn-Tarkin discussion, um, which I just thought was really cool. Krennic gets the mention. You know, you, you see the competition that's going on between, even within the Empire, between these people trying to get their their plans and their machinations accomplished, you know, and, and obviously the building of the Death Star is going to take away from Thrawn's, you know, building of the, uh, the tie defenders. And, and so Thrawn and Tarkin talking was just really cool to me guys. Well, and it also kind of solved, it, it resolved like a low hanging, it resolved an issue too. in that why don't we ever see the tie defenders, Later on, why aren't they in any of the movies, et cetera, et cetera? And it's for two reasons. One, Krennic is channeling all the resources into the Death Star. And then two, uh, Price firing at the fuel depot effectively put the, the, the final nail in the coffin mm -hmm. of the TIE Defender program. Put another nail but in another coffin, too. <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> well, you know what? If Thrawn had Too soon, Steve. <laughs> if Thrawn had force powers, he would have killed her from across the galaxy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, she would she was she was hankering for a force choke in the end. That's for that's for sure. Um but that was a great little scene. And also just you know because we're so focused on Lethal, it also paints this bigger picture that there's much grander things right. going on in the Empire mm -hmm. than just Lethal. Right, right, and 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 it it brings you back to there's more going on than our story, and and we know what's happening. You know, back at Yavin, they refuse to go help out on Lethal, and 
You know, I mean, don't forget that. Don't forget that first part of the, you know, in the first part of the season when they were trying to rally the troops to go help out at Lethal and, and the folks at Yavin refused. And so, so it's well, dire. It comes, it, it comes up again in the, the beginning of the Doom episode where Ryder Azadi is like, you know, let's get, let's get the rebels to come help us out. And, and uh, Ezra's basically like, they're not coming. Right. You know, this is over for mm -hmm. them here. Yeah. Um, Another fun thing out of these episodes uh, is <laughs> uh, drunk Hera. Uh, yeah, she she has the mind probe drugs in her, and and she's running around. And that's the other thing that kind of misled me, because Eris, I'm like you. When Kanan's chopping his hair off, and when he stops him, and is like, "May the force be with you always," and all that good stuff, I'm thinking they're going to kill him. He's about to die. But then they have drunk hair in him running around like everything's okay. And I'm like, well, they're not going to kill him. They're having a good time. I felt like that was a bit of misdirection on their part. Those are some great scenes. That, that that I was, have to tell you, I hate your hair. It's like one of my favorite lines. That was really awesome. And I really loved Vanessa's performance. She did a great job with that. And especially the line when he kills the, the probe droid, she says, that droid deserved that. Like... Just, yeah. What? And then when she says, you know, you're in big trouble, and then she goes, huh, I thought he would have come in through the window. <laughs> like, was like what? <laughs> yeah, but I, it... have a I have a question, though, in all of this fun kind of loopy hair stuff. Kanan stops and tells her, like, all seriously, I have to tell you something. And then Rook shows up and spoils the moment. What was it that he had to tell her? I love you. I think, yeah. But he said he's told her that already, didn't he? Uh, I don't know, but you can say it to someone more than once. Yes, but I, I think like there. Maybe that, or maybe he was gonna tell her that it's his time. He's got to die. Hmm. Well, the, okay. All right. Done. Here we go. This is what I want to know. Did Kanan know he was going to his death on this mission? I think he had the sense that it might be a one-way mission. Yeah. I think, once, I think once he was back with Hera, like, then that changed. But I think that he was... I think he was prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice to save Hera. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why he tells Ezra that you need to take control because I won't be able to control myself with her involved right well also i think the symbolism of him cutting his hair shaving all of that returning to his former life as caleb doom was another big sign like he knew that this could be it yeah and he wanted to go out as who he really is not as canaan hmm well because like in <clears throat> in star wars when Obi-Wan says your path lies along a different, or your destiny lies along a different path than mine, the Force will be with you always. I get the sense that he knows he's going to his death. That he understands that to get those guys out of there, he's going to have to die, and he's okay with that. And that's where I say the whole moment with, uh, with, with Ezra and Sabine... And and moving on through, I was like, he knows he's going to his death, and then they and then they lightheartened it all up, and I'm like, you got to stop that. 
if this is what's going to happen. And then he starts holding that fire back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? But I guess, you know, I mean, Eric, you pretty well, much thought everyone you is... Know, if, they, if they had landed anywhere but the fuel depot, we might be having a different conversation right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, let's get to the fuel depot, guys. Nothing bad can happen there. Hey, let's climb to the top of the tallest one. And first of all, I'm just looking at that ladder like, just shoot me now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going up that ladder. <laughs> no way. I give up. I'll give up. I'll give up. That was a long way. I did notice that. I was like, <clears throat> but But Price pulls a page out of Tarkin's playbook when she blows that thing up. You know, you go back to the old communications tower back in, like, season one. Right. And, you know, and Tarkin's like, blow it up. Yeah, and, and they're like, what? And he's like, you know, and, and, and in a way, Thrawn has exercised acceptable losses um, to try to get to a greater victory. And I feel like Price thought she was doing the same thing, but not quite. she's not quite the strategist that a Thrawn or a Tarkin are. Yeah, I was just going to say that. She's a little bit more impetuous. She, you know... Is in the moment, not seeing the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when Kanan is is there, and Filoni kind of um, tells us this in the Rebels Recon, there's the moment with the eyes where his eyes clear up. Oh, such a great moment! Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that that killed me when his eyes cleared. Yeah, because he says before he's blinded, "I'll see you again." Oh, you know? really? Uh-huh. I don't remember that. Yeah. And, and then his eyes. And, oh. That's that's the moment I knew he's going to die. Hmm. Like right then. You mean I right was, before he died? Oh, that moment. Right he was just surrounded by flames. Teresa, you called it I'm then? Top, you called it at that moment? Burning fuel cell. But that's the moment you knew he was going to die. <laughs> Teresa, I can't believe you called it right then and there. I just I just thought that, that something might happen where he might get saved. And then when his eyes changed, I was like, oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, he could have jumped onto the shuttle and then done his force block, you know, to, like, push them away from the fire. Or in hindsight... Ezra could have grabbed him with the force at the same time that Kanan was pushing the shuttle away. But I just think everything was just so bang, bang, bang that nobody was really thinking clearly there. No, it's all in the moment. And, you know, and I also think, you know, once, once Kanan's kind of resigned himself to that, he was using every bit of his concentration to, Mm -hmm. to hold that. Cause he's not just holding back fire. He's holding back an explosion. Yeah, a violent, powerful explosion, and um, yeah. So, <laughs> and then to turn around and push the gunship away like he did. Good night. That was it. Was a I mean, it was a powerful, heart wrenching moment. You know, I think what makes it worse is Hera's scream of his name. Like I can hear it in my head. It's so powerful. Oh my gosh. Well, and then you hear it again in the World Between Worlds episode, too, where they're watching through the portal, and Mm. you just see Ezra's face, and then in the background you hear Hera screaming Kanan. That's where it got me even more 
in that episode than it did in the actual moment that it happened. Well, <clears throat> because you're having to watch it a second time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like we've lived through this and I don't have to, and I don't have to turn on my DVR and watch it again if I don't want to, but thanks Ezra, you know, it's a, uh, but at the same this time, like it, Toy Story three. Mm, now, Teresa, look, <laughs> it is. We're not it's gonna. So we, sad. we don't need to bring up that movie until we actually have to cover it on Disney Vault Talk. <laughs> but it's so relevant. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, I guess maybe it is in in the sense that they're both sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But now, Eric, I remember a little bit last week, you were kind of saying that the, the follow-up, Doom, that you were kind of, you could do without. Are you still... I felt that... Uh, when I watched it the two times last week, I was just I was like, what is going on with this? Um, I, I enjoyed the Sabine and Zeb portion of it. Uh, I think because that was probably the emotion that was easiest to understand for me like just the rage and we're going to go do something about this um and that too had some fun little light-hearted moments especially when ruck looks right at zeb while he's looking at him through the binoculars and zeb just freaks out oh yeah uh, he's got <laughs> creepy eyes i don't want to look again um <laughs> but the whole stuff with the wolves mm -hmm. just in particular and the doom episode did not Last week, it did not work for me because I'm just like, what is going on? Why are the wolves chasing after him? Why are they all snarling at him? And then the talking wolf just kind of was like, what? No, it just looked kind of goofy to me. Hmm. But then I watched it again today, like right before we we came on here tonight. And it all worked a little bit better for me. And part of it is that I have the hindsight of seeing the, the, the two episodes at the Jedi Temple. So I'm now understanding a little bit more what the wolves were actually doing, that they were sending Ezra on this mission. It all clicked a little bit more for me. But I still feel like if this was the episode that was to help us grieve the loss of Kanan, it didn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if it's meant to help us grieve, but we had to see the we had to see the family grieve. This mm -hmm. show has been about this family, and had we just gone from Kanan gets blowed up to next adventure, um, then I think it would have been a disservice to the story. I think it would have been a disservice to the characters and, and a disservice to the fans watching, especially if you consider that kids watch this show. You know, and, yeah. and for them to be able to see these characters deal with it in their different ways. And one of the most interesting things to me, Teresa, is that initially everyone kind of lost hope. Like the yeah. death of Canaan was kind of the end of hope for a lot of them. You know, you, we talked earlier about Ezra saying no one's coming. It's all over. Hera was kind of ready to be done and throwing the towel. And, um, you know, and, and quite frankly... Zeb and Sabine are going off on what is potentially a suicide run. You know, so. Yep. Um, well, what, what is it about know, Kanan? Like, what is it about Kanan that was kind of the the glue that gave them all? The, I, I get it with Ezra, but what about everyone else? Do you think he's a freaking Jedi Knight, dude? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think part of their grief is knowing that Hera lost, you know, the most important person to her. I think that's part of it. I also think that they viewed him as a father figure. And Ezra has now lost all of his parents. Mm -hmm. Maybe except Hera, but he's lost all of his parents and the people that were really guiding him. Sabine lost the person that brought her into this and was trained, like taught her how to, how to become who she is in season four. I mean, he ultimately pushes her to become this person that we see. Yep. And she has a much, you know, we haven't really talked about her hair color this season, but it's much more subdued, much more a mature Sabine, you know, rather than like the tie dye colors that were going on before. And, for Zeb, he lost his best friend. Okay, and so, so I think that I think all of that, and I know, like Eris, you said you resonated more with Sabine and and Zeb being like, "Let's go blow some stuff up," you know. Um, I resonated more with the way Hero was coping because that's what I would probably do: is stare at things that remind me of the person, and then slide down a wall and hug an inanimate object. <laughs> What? And then have a little, like, and then have a little Etsy session. Who hugged an yeah. inanimate? Who hugged an inanimate object? Hera with her calicory, and then she goes crafty and she, you know, adds cannon to her calicory, and like that's something that I would totally do. Everybody was crafting in these episodes. They're making colliders. <laughs> they were painting uh, Rook. They're making calicory. <clears throat> now look. Very Etsy hour. Right. It was the Etsy hour of Star Wars Rebels. The hang glider thing was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I, that was that had a very A team feel to me. Um It had a very it had a very return of the Jedi feel to me. Hmm. The whole notion of, you know, when Sabine's like, actually it's a great idea because the Empire is set to defend against you know, the more high tech weapons and they're vulnerable to this kind of primitive stuff. Like that's basically how the Ewoks were able to beat them also. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a great point. The Death Star is going toward more large scale offense. Anyhow. Um, well, yeah. So the, the gliders I thought were really cool. The, the Calicori was fun. I I really like that whole thing with that. I'm glad that he got it back for it. I'm glad that she, added him to it the painting of rook cannon, this is mine it's yeah not it's, not really pre- it's not really it's a not present. A present. <laughs> <laughs> um the the painting of rook though um are, are we to are we to take that as he's done no no he's He'll not done they He'll just back he's thrones right hand they just knocked him out and painted him well that's, that's what hilarious. i'm thinking but i'm like we gotta kill him off He's got to die. You just said it a minute ago. This is a kid's show. Right. That doesn't mean anything. Have you seen Bambi? That's a kid movie. No, I know, but you can't have Zeb beat him to death right there. That's true. But but it's also a kid's show where the Inquisitor got killed and all the other Inquisitors got killed and Ahsoka pretty much died. I know, but at this point, he is a defenseless thing that you can't have your hero just beat him to death like that. Well... I don't think Rook is defenseless, just saying. He's a jerk face. Well, at that point, he was, like, out cold. Yeah. Yeah, I think we will see him again. I think he will be very perturbed. 
have a little chip on his shoulder about the whole thing. Yeah, a little, little to another good little fight scene. Have a little paint up his rear. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna be scrubbing that out for weeks yeah i like when they're like i don't fight fair and he's like neither do i and he like goes invisible and i'm like oh great how do they do this now voice? no it was yes it was but i don't i can't really think of it he because he's more like a right something like that Ezra Bridger. that's fine i'll just go back to that do a good steve i'll just go back to that um Oh, uh, so Ezra chases, gets chased by these wolves who are, who are now mad at him. I didn't understand that. And it really took the rebels recon explanation to help me understand that is that he is now given into fear. And obviously these wolves don't react well to fear. Right. Is that kind of what was going on there? I guess, you know, when I watched it again tonight, I kind of had the feeling that it was the wolves dealing with their grief as well. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Wow. You know, I can see that. You know, sort of, and Ezra has that, like, I did everything I could kind of reaction to mm-hmm. it. But, you know, the, uh, when I watched it again tonight, my, my first thought was like, okay, the wolves are snarling at him because they're angry that he let Kanan die. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And they're, they're equally upset with it. Maybe, or maybe they're snarling at him to get to push him to the mindset to where he needs to get and to stop pouting and sulking. Yeah. I I, I don't know. This is still part of my issue with that is I I just feel like they went a little bit too far with the wolves in in that episode. Well, I mean, but are they not serving the same purpose as a Bindu at this point? Yeah, you know, but they're not as cool as a Bindu. I don't know. They're still pretty cool, though. No, they are pretty cool, but they're no Bindu. No, but you're. I agree. They're no Bindu. But I'm just saying, like, it's the kind of the same, almost the same kind of thing where they're connected to the Force. And, of course, at one point, you know, in the next two episodes, Ezra says, well, therefore, Lothal. You know, and and so obviously, they're you know, they're setting Ezra off on a quest to save the planet. Um, well, and if they are the, connected to the Force, like we we all believe they are, then maybe Kanan's death, you know, it caused this, you know, it naturally would cause a disturbance in the Force, and it's just that's the wolves reacting to this disturbance in the Force. Well, and to this point, Kanan was the only one who really communicated with him, didn't he? No, Ezra has a little bit too. Well, he's ridden on him. Right. But but I mean like as far as like an actual chit chat almost situation, it's it's been more Kanan has been kind of their contact point. Yeah. Right, I think so. And so now they're moving to Ezra, but I do I think that when Filoni talked about, you know, Ezra goes back to fear, like everyone kinda of goes re- retreats into a station they were you know, that we might have first met them in and, and for Ezra that's a place of fear. And, right, and self doubt. Like right. my master's gone, I can't do this without right. him. And so, and I think the wolves are reacting to that fear, and 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 the more he, the more fearful he becomes, the more they, you know, bees and dogs can smell fear. Really, bees and dogs. Yeah. Did you know that bees and dogs can smell fear? Mm-hmm. The human head weighs I think eight cats pounds. Cats can. Uh, well, 
We're doing a little Jerry Maguire riff here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Quick, uh, Stephanie, do Secret Garden with the death of Kane. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, Stephanie. I'm just kidding. No, we don't need it. No, we, we don't. don't we that. don't need. We don't need that. Kanan deserves better than that. That's right. He deserves much better than that. Blaze of Glory. All right. Um, oh, that would work. I mean, it's it's kind of on the nose. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. Mm. All right. Well, we're talking about like songs. This is still Star Wars, but it's off on a little tangent. Did you see the solo trailer recut? With the Beastie Boys sabotage, I have not seen that. I, I oh, saw so good, really? so good. That got me hardcore pumped to see the movie. Hmm. I, I no, I saw a link to it, but I haven't they just watched did it. it. Really well with the way that the way it was edited and stuff. Oh, it's fantastic. I haven't seen that either. I have to watch it. Because the first trailer felt an awful like uh, awful lot like Solo, a James Tiberius Kirk story. <laughs> that's what the that's, <laughs> that's what the um, description is under it on YouTube. So, um, well, it look by the end of the by the end of the episode, Ezra now has a mission. Uh, Hera has shored herself up, you know, thanks to Ch- Chopper holding her hand. And, um, well, no, not just that. It's that uh, the the big thing that I think the big thing to come out of doom was, was, uh, Sabine and Zeb realizing that Kanan in his death actually completed their ultimate mission on Lethal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was destroying the fuel cells, shutting down the tie defender factory. Their mission is now complete. And I think that, them coming back to Hera with that revelation helped her a lot. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, that and her little Etsy session, like mm-hmm. those two her, things kind of helped her come to grips with it all. And certainly helped Sabine and Zeb come to grips with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that leads into really, I mean, these these episodes lead really seamlessly into one another, all four of them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that leads us into wolves in a door. And this is where it became Lord of the star Wars rings. Um, Lord of the star Wars <laughs> rings. uh, because we're dealing, we, we get to dealing with some really mythological, magical stuff as it pertains to the force and everything. Um, and, and I have questions and, and, and this is the one I feel like it's going to take a lot to, to kind of talk out. So this and the, and the world between worlds, I think have left, if Canaan, if the death of Canaan left everyone reeling with a little bit of sadness and, um, you know, some melancholy, these two episodes left everyone with, oh, well, we have a lot to talk about. Um, holy, mm-hmm. holy shnikes, like there's so many possibilities here. Right, right. So let's, uh, again, let's start with the light, lighter stuff that we kind of know. Um, <clears throat> the weird minister dude, what was his name? Oh, Hayden, Minister Hayden, voiced by Malcolm McDowell. Just, oh, just 
so amazing. I just loved hearing him do that voice. I I, can't, I expected him to get away because he's dressed like the dude on Mustafar that's like, my lord, you have a visitor. Oh, you know? yeah. Actually, they if in the kind of the show notes and stuff that they posted on StarWars.com, at one point they were considering making the two of them the same character. Mm, okay. And then they, because of storytelling in both in Rogue One and in this, they decided it was easier to make them two different characters. Okay. But at one moment, it, it was a possibility that, that they were going to be the same guys. At the same time, you know, until the end, uh, I thought, well, he's one of those dudes that are... The, the two dudes that are on the Death Star with the Emperor. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Emperor's, like, little uh, royal posse. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back in the day always hearing that those guys were dark side adepts. They, they weren't... Um, Sith or anything, but they they were tapped in or understood. You know, they they were kind of like acolytes, sort of. Yeah, scholars, yeah, like acolytes. Like yeah, and I thought, so well, this is your name, Saint Pestage. Am I getting that right? What? The only thing I ever knew him as because it was released on his figure was Imperial Dignitary. Arish is correct. That is the hey, right name. Hey. Oh, look who got brought in! How What's did this? Up? I'm crashing yeah, the party. Welcome, sir. From Star Wars Bookworms, our good friend Aaron Goins, who was uh, out in... Where did you go to watch these premi this premiere, Aaron? Um, I was out in San Francisco at Lucasfilm. San Francisco. And you got a little San Francisco treat out there with some Lucasfilm. <laughs> How was that event, sir? It was good, yeah. It was really fun. I mean, it's not every day you get to watch Star Wars Rebels episodes in the Lucasfilm theater, so... It was a nice opportunity. How many episodes did they show you? Uh, they showed us four episodes. Oh, so you saw all of these out there? Yes. Yep. That's pretty impressive. And you've been able to keep your mouth shut this whole time? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to tell us what the experience was like in the theater watching these, especially with Kanan dying and Ahsoka coming back and all of that. What was it like? Um, It was... It's really, I mean, you guys have probably experienced this in different ways, like at Star Wars celebrations and stuff, but anytime you're in a room full of Star Wars fans watching Star Wars, it's just a whole different thing, you know, than just going to the theater to watch Star Wars. So just to have all these, like, diehard Rebels fans all in the same room and then watching these moments happen, it was it was pretty cool. And then we got to have a Dave Filoni Q&A afterwards. Um you know, where he gives a lot of really awesome insight like only he can with this stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, the type of experience you don't get that often. So, you you know, when you get the opportunity, you don't turn it down. <laughs> so we just finished talking about the first two episodes. And we're, we're just now about to dive into the next two. So what yeah. was... Don't let me break your stride, man. Just keep, well, keep talking no, about I what Well, no, I mean, you just about. mentioned you had this great Q&A with Dave Filoni. So, like for the first two episodes, like were there any insights from him that really struck home with you that, that like you can remember and clue us in on? I remember a couple things, um, him talking about, and I guess this, I'm trying to remember what episode this actually falls in, but when you see the wolf that calls himself doom, mm, that would be in and, the episode called doom. Is that the second episode? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. Um, that, I remember him kind of talking about how 
it wasn't necessarily Kanan, but it was kind of like Kanan working through the Force and 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 not really knowing if this was a vision that we're seeing or if it's a physical thing that's happening to Ezra. And so uh, Filoni was was definitely saying it, it was kind of more of a vision. And so Kanan is working through the Force and communicating with Ezra, but he's not actually that wolf, you know, like some people were kind of speculating. Um, and then the other the other thing I remember him talking about was the scene where you see kind of like a spirit version of Kanan put his hand on Hera's shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's in that's an episode the third of. This oh, okay. Episode. So you guys haven't even gotten to that yet, but yeah, I no. remember him talking about that. Um, whereas you know people were saying, oh, was that a Force ghost? And he was saying, no, that was basically just Hera remembering him and like remembering like his memory having an impact on her, but it wasn't actually a physical, like a uh, spirit that was communicating with her. Right. So did, did he mention anything about writing the episodes for like Jedi Knight and Kanan dying and stuff and it relating to the death of his own father happening around the same time that they were shooting that? No, no, he didn't. That didn't come up in the conversation. Okay. He talks about that on Rebels Recon, and I just thought that it was super impactful because you could definitely feel the sadness and the grief and stuff because he was apparently feeling that. And I just mm. thought it came through like really, really strong. So we were trying to sort out in the, the Doom episode the the wolves kind of snarling and chasing Ezra around. Did he say anything about that? He did. He said that was basically a representation. Like, the wolves were upset at him. Oh, Eris, so you were right. They were kind of, like, disappointed in his reaction. And they were sensing his fear. And oh. so this was their way of so basically... So that was... Steve, Steve had that, yeah. Okay. Look, you guys are spot on, then. <laughs> but, yeah, that was that was basically their showing their displeasure in Ezra and how he was reacting to things and kind of running away from the situation. And they were kind of just there to, you know, get him back on track. Okay. Cool. Well, um, so moving right along then from, from all that, that, I mean, so if, and and Aaron, if there's anything else you remember that was said, or you've got some kind of report you'd like to give, bring it sign. Don't, don't hold back. All right. All right, man. If All it right. comes up, I'll, I'll definitely speak up. Well, just real, we were talking about the the moment right before Kanan dies, where it appears he gets his sight back. For did did Dave have anything to say about that? Um, he was he was talking about how at that moment, Kanan was no longer bound by like the limits of his physical body, and he had kind of already. I'm probably not saying I don't want to like put words in his mouth but it was almost like he was already kind of making that transition into the force and so he was he was no longer um held back by his physical limitations of the blindness and in that instant he was able to see Hera one more time um which was a very purposeful um because I think that they had an earlier conversation in a previous episode um where he says to her I'll see you again and yeah, then he Teresa never... brought that up. Okay, yeah. So I think that was all very intentional that he got his sight back right at the end of his life just to be able to see her one more time, which mm. is like <laughs> tear jerk. That's cool. I like I, I like that idea of him going from the physical into the force. 
like that. That's really cool. Yeah. So um, when we get to the next episode, Wolves in a Door, we've talked about the weird minister dude, Haydn or Heidenreich, whatever his minister name is. Minister Haydn. Haydn, Minister Heine. Um, <laughs> the one of the things, one of the things that kind his of was full name is Minister Varus Haydn. <laughs> Show some respect. <laughs> Show me your papers. Um, one of the things, one of the things that's going on here with the emperor having them try to excavate the temple, and and I mean, and Eric, we'll get into the Raiders and Lost Ark of it all momentarily. Oh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. All over that pit archaeology <clears throat> right? dig. Um, uh, but one of the things that I guess I'd never really thought about, even though I guess I kind of knew he would have had to know because Vader reports to him and all this stuff, but like he knew the name, Kanan Jarrus, and he knew the name, Caleb Doom. Um, in fact, Hayden calls him Caleb Doom uh, in, in the in the episode and uh, and he knows Ezra Bridger the emperor does and and it's kind of freaky that he's so locked in on these guys and and this is just kind of one of these speculative questions uh over the past 4 or 5 years as you've had you know a skywalker growing up on Tatooine with a jedi looking out for him um how much does the distraction that these guys have been giving the Empire play into the protection of Luke, and in in, you know, as he's getting closer to his destiny, or am I just reading way too much into it? I think you might. Act, I hadn't really thought about it. I think you could be right. It's crazy. Yeah, that's. I, oh. I'm kind of in the same boat. I hadn't really thought about that either. But that's a really good point. That they're almost serving as a distraction for the true, you know, kind of the the new hope that's out there. Um, not that these they're not important characters because they are, but they are in a way protecting Luke inadvertently. Right. Right. And that's, and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, they've been out there. I mean, you know, since that moment on Kessel, which, you know, by the way, with everyone talking about the solo trailer, and everything's like, Oh, we've never been to Kessel before. I'm like, yeah, we did. And rebels, where were y'all? Um, <laughs> you know, since that moment on Kessel saving Kitwar and the Wookiees, um, you know, they've known there's a Jedi out and about. And and then, you know, and, and they got less and less shy about it as the show went on. So, you know, it, it really does to me, it kind of amps up the fact that, you know, added to all the other things, the desolation of Tatooine, the fact that Vader really would not want to willingly go back to Tatooine, all these different things, you know, Luke stays protected. And as he's inching closer to that destiny and, you know, then the time is coming due. It's almost like the force has brought these two guys to, you know, give lend, lend a little bit more protection to the to the new hope that's out there. And I, and I'm and again, I know that's that's about as deep as I'm going to get with all this stuff because everything else absolutely gets confusing to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, we well, have it's a good thing we have Aaron because we're talking about time travel and he is the oh, time lord. Oh, that's right. Well, we have. We have seen the wolves do what they did before as far as transporting themselves from one end of the planet to the other. Through, like, hyperspace? It does look like hyperspace, but I don't think it's meant to be hyperspace, is it, Arish? No. No, I... No, I don't think it's meant to be hyperspace. Because they're not necessarily going very fast. It's a forced tunnel. 
yeah. It's like a force portal or something like that. Right. Force nexus, as Aaron called it. It's uh it's the what what is the uh what does the time lord go through, Aaron? Aaron, what is what is Doctor Who? What does the TARDIS travel through? What is that that he calls? Is it like a vortex or the something? The vortex, yeah. It's a force vortex. There you go. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And and we start hearing all these different voices in hyperspace. Um we weren't getting into like the lines from the actual movies at that point. It was more stuff from the Rebels show, right? Yeah, it was all Rebels related. Mm-hmm. Different quotes from Kanan, Hera, Ahsoka. Yep. And then, <laughs> and I love it. I, first of all, I love that Chopper was like, hey, well, how am I supposed to get there? Oh, and the yeah. wolf just grabs <laughs> him and, <laughs> and then spits him out. And Zab, when they get there, he's like, did you hear those voices? You know, it was a, it's like they all experienced it. You know, it wasn't something that only the force sensitive Ezra got a hold of. Right. You know, well, was... and I also like Zeb's reaction to the animals at the beginning. And he was like, they can talk. <laughs> and it's just like, those don't talk. How do you know? <laughs> they talk with their eyes. <laughs> I like that Hera actually wore her goggles. Yeah, that was cool. She always just has them as like a headband. Exactly. It's like a fashion statement. How did um, she get her clothes back? That's what I want to know. She had a well, she has set, extra outfits, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> She's got closets in the in the ghost. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But she doesn't have the ghost. She doesn't have the ghost, though. The ghost is back on Yavin. Is it? I thought she brought it to... No, she no. flew to Yavin, and then she was captured when her X-Wing went down during the squadron attack. That's right. I don't like this situation. I don't like her not having the ghost. Yeah, neither do I. We need to get the ghost back. Mm-hmm. The music, by the way, so far up through these three episodes is amazing. I really like the music when they're the... The animals are running. <laughs> the what animals? They're like giant dogs. Because we had some cats in this one, too. We saw some loth cats in this, too. We know? did. Yeah. Then there were also dogs. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when they were running. What are those dogs? And... What breed of dogs are they? They're wild dogs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then also when they're making the hang gliders, by the way, I don't know if you guys heard it, but they it was very Harry Potter-like Dumbledore's army score sounding it's very cool i'm not familiar enough with the harry potter to to be able to make that call but yeah i didn't pick up on that but when they're in the pit like in the archaeological pit that was all raiders baby yeah oh yeah big time there was there was a lot of that arc uh stuff playing out so so we get there and um you've got uh once again our boy ezra and our girl sabine disguising up i mean i'll leave it to leave it to those two to put on a, a stormtrooper disguise they'll do that in a heartbeat <laughs> um and uh and and of course they don't know everything so they they get called out by the by the other troopers and everything which i thought was great i thought it was a cool moment when he's like well, i'm going to report you and um but they're also using that art to try to 
Of course, we get to revisit the fact that Sabine's a you know super intelligent artist um, in this, but they also use and they use that to Steve. Yeah, she's smarter than you are. Right, and how much did we hear that? Um, to they use all that, and Ezra uses that to to begin to open this thing up. But we are made privy to what's on that wall, and it's the son, the daughter, and the father from Mortis. Now, this is where it gets crazy, is now we're back into Mortis territory. Now, this is the same temple that Ezra and Canaan had been going to previously, and so now we're at another place where now there's this, this, this painting there that moves, which looked really cool, some great 2D animation. Um... But they call them the Mortis gods. Is this the first time we've heard them referred to as gods? Aaron? I think so. I don't know if they've ever been referred to specifically. I know they were called force like force users. Um, a different type of force user is kind of the way they sold it to us in the Clone Wars. But I don't know if we've ever heard them as gods. <clears throat> yeah, that, that kind of took me a little bit by surprise. Erish, any insight you can give us to that at all? Do you know of anything? Uh, no, but, you know, remember the source that this is coming from. It's coming from Minister Hyden, who doesn't appear to be a force user and appears to be more an academic. Okay. So to him, you know, it, it could be, I think it could be easy to see where he might interpret them as gods. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's interesting because the the timing of this, it's not like it's that much later than the Clone Wars. You know, not that much time has passed. Um, and well, enough first, time. Ahsoka's enough older. Time, but it's not, She's like 15 years older, right? I mean, almost way, 20 years. Right, point. but I'm saying, like, apparently these figures have been in Jedi lore for a long time, like centuries. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, but they're only first encounters in the Clone Wars. It seemed like like Obi Wan and Anakin had no idea who they were. So you would think they would have, if if this was some sort of an entity that had things to do with the origin of the Force or something like that, where it had been passed down through generation, you know, through the right, Jedi, that right, they right, would have right. been in the know on that. <laughs> so it, it was kind of interesting. Is this? Are they concepts or or? Uh entities that have been forgotten by the Jedi? I mean, is this one of those things where the Jedi have let too much go? You know, by the time you get to the Clone Wars and the Phantom Menace and everything, is this part of the problem with the Jedi? They've they've kind of let this stuff go and... Um, and this is like a lost Jedi temple that hasn't been visited in a while kind of thing? It seems like... But, I mean, doesn't it seem like... I mean, this is the one that, that, uh, that Kanan and Ezra made their way to, but, you know, you think about what we know from... The Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. You know, Luke was going to the first Jedi Temple. That's where you know that's where he was rumored to be. And and there on Octu, that's what that's rumored to be as the first ever Jedi Temple. And of course, it's got the the ancient text of the Jedi. And um, and and, and so I, I feel like that one of the things that you can look to with this kind of thing is that maybe the Jedi had forgotten what had come before. And so, and that's why Ezra or not Ezra, but that's why Anakin and Obi-Wan were surprised when they find themselves at Mortis and, and, you know, and, and not really comprehending what was going on. And that was a huge story arc. And as much as Anakin was tested, you know, during that whole arc. And it's one I haven't well, watched. What was all in a about is Anakin truly the chosen one. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, go ahead. 
and and, and you know and, and so and that was a cool moment because you do Anakin does see his future but then they kind of forget about everything that went on you know by the time that's over it's you know it's the wish of Oz you were there and you were there and well um, but let's let's keep this in context I mean they're fighting a galactic civil war at the time right you know the the Jedi are being forced to to be generals and and military commanders and you know they're doing things that they're not really meant to be doing and it's all part of the the grander discussion that could be had and I mean you're kind of bringing up you know was the the true path of the Jedi kind of corrupted by that point had they forgotten themselves but I think yes. that the, but I think that also this notion of the the father son and daughter isn't it may not just be a Jedi notion because the sun is kind of representing the darker side of the force. I, I think it's, this is yet another one of these kind of neutral force things that, that rebels has done so good at presenting to us that it's not just light or dark. Yeah. And I think the, the trio of them kind of represent balance in a way, which is something that was introduced in the clone wars. Um, but this is a Jedi temple, so the Jedi, True. obviously... Well, I mean, we don't even know... True, this but image, I mean... This image that's on the wall may not have always been there. It seemed like it can kind of move as it wants to, so maybe it just appeared for this purpose, you know? Well, and they've also dug down. I mean, they are in a pit, so... Right. You know, it, it's also possible that this image that they're looking at when Kanan and Ezra, the couple times that they came to this temple before... They never saw this image because it had been buried, you know, and it's just because they in, inadvertently led the Imperials there that the Imperials just started excavating the whole site. And they clearly found a bunch of other artifacts. All those large stone pieces laying around all had artwork on them uh, of various sorts. So who knows what else might have been down there. But my question is because... Because it appears Hayden's not a force user, like he wasn't able to to access the the image the way Ezra was. But had Sheev or say Vader actually come to visit the site, might they have been able to access and open the portal? I don't think so. I, I, well, I think they could if they understood what Ezra began to understand along with Sabine, because when Ezra goes to touch it, he's like he had the. I, the thing that the wolves gave him apparently seemed to me to be a key, you know, almost a key code, like a, right, a, you know, to 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 let him know what to do. But he also mentions at one point, doesn't he say something about listening to the picture, listening to, listening the, stone. to, the, stone, listening to yeah. the stone, yeah. And I don't know that a that a Palpatine or a Vader would have had the patience to listen to the stone. Well, right. but I mean, we're jumping forward a little bit here. Clearly, Sheev had some knowledge of this because he seemed to be very patient waiting his time for somebody to open that so that he could get in there too well that's his way isn't it yeah you know so i mean he has patience so and ezra was obviously concerned that someone else would be able to open it because that's why he was like you know we got to close this portal we can't we can't leave this he just he had just run from palpatine in there. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. You know, so he's concerned that Palpatine's going to be able to open it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, but it's obvious that the Emperor 
knows about some of these things. And like you guys were saying before about the Jedi maybe forgetting about some of the pieces of their history, I think that's super important because the Emperor is doing things other than just trying to be the military ruler of the galaxy. He's trying to collecting all these force-related artifacts, and he's studying all of this stuff. Right, and he's been doing this for a long time, so he clearly knows, and I think he is the first one that calls them the Mortis Gods. So, if I, because I just watched it, I think he was the one that said it, but... The Emperor did? Yeah, he said it first, because... I thought, um, I thought O'Hyden boy did. Maybe, maybe I misheard, but... but... I- but Hayden was communicating with Palpatine, and they were – we didn't see it. It was happening off camera, but they were trading information back and forth. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that if Hayden's calling them force gods, that he's getting that through conversations from Palpatine. Well, and they're also getting – like one of the things they do mention is that a lot of what they're getting, they're getting from the Jedi Temple archives from, mm-hmm. from Coruscant. So, you know – Palpatine is obviously raiding every bit of their information that he can. And Which is he, now the home for Palpatine's Sith Temple. Right. And he may be going deeper than they'd been in a long time, than the Jedi had been in a long time, you know? And mm-hmm. um and so I you know, this is this is something again that maybe the Jedi had forgotten, but what is unlocked is, as the episode title suggests, the world between worlds. And and this is a world, you know. I mean, this is the top, the twilight zone. It's a dimension of time and space, and you know, there there's uh, all kinds of crazy stuff going on, and and the world rejoices because Ahsoka lives, right, Teresa? I mean, my I'm still jury is out on that. I mean, she, obviously, no, she's alive. She's alive. I don't know. Yeah, she's alive. She's she's alive because we get to see. If you go back to the season two finale with her fighting Vader, we don't actually see what happens to her right. once she closes the door. Well, here we get to actually see what happens to her, and what happens to her is that Ezra pulls her out and saves her. And then well, and we see returns, her walking. She returns, she returns after the fact, after the temple has been, after that temple of Malachor has fallen, that's when she returns. So she okay, survives yeah, yeah. all of that. And okay. that little well, gl- that little glimpse that we saw at the end of the season two finale, where you know everybody was freaking out. Well, she's like walking down the stairs. What does this mean? Right. Well, sh- now we see that she's alive and she's walking down the stairs. She so, was she was sent right back to that time. I and guess this my is also where her bird came from too, because at the end of that episode we see the bird flying off. Well, the bird went through that portal door with her came from the world mm. beyond worlds went through the portal door and then we don't see it in this episode but that bird then flies off at the end of so the big question for ah- ahsoka is what has she been doing in this time from the end of the season two finale to now where has she been yeah and i guess my thing was is when he pulls her out i hadn't really thought about that that like you know, he pulls her out and then he puts her back, like right where we saw her when she was walking away, or she he goes back. Put her back. She well, I know, but she. But for me, I was like, well, if he pulls her out, then doesn't that change things? Just like if he saved Kanan, then that would change everything. Because you can't. The theory with time travel, and it happens in everything time travel, whether it's Doctor Who or 
Harry Potter or whatever is if you if you mess with time, it screws up the future. It screws everything up or the Flash or whatever. Everybody that has time travel now. <laughs> but see, it works in this instance because we haven't seen Ahsoka since then. And also, I mean, th- there's the idea of, of, though, yes, she was pulled out of the fight with Vader. That's how she lived because he pulled her out of that fight with Vader. She goes right back to just the time that she left, pretty much. So there's no real time missed for her. She knows she spent that those few minutes in the world between worlds with Ezra. She knows that. Mm-hmm. But but she also is back where she was two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. So, well, go ahead, Aaron. We might be making some assumptions because we don't know. We know she went back to Malachor. We don't know what when it is. You know, she could have been pulled out in the fight with Vader, and then when she goes back to Malachor, it could be now. I think it's you a safe. I, I think it's I a think safe it's assumption. The same moment. Yeah, I think it's a safe assumption to say she went back to that time because we do see her disappearing down those steps at the end of that season two finale. Now, yeah, I, but I, that could have been okay. Yeah, I think it's an assumption, but I, I, it's a fair assumption. But I don't think that it's clear cut that that's the time period that she's in because now she essentially is has time traveled like he pulled her out into now and then when she jumped back in she goes back in time back Um, in time so it's not like she can just go straight to i don't know like it just seems like but has she really time traveled if this world beyond worlds is sort of like this neutral place in time i guess the only time travel aspect would be she saw a future version of ezra um Right. Other than that, yeah. Well, right. and she saw what happened to Kanan, which happened much later. Yeah, um, so she's been filled but, in on some details. But how crazy is this for Vader? To Because Vader saw this all go down. No, so his he head's got to be reeling, right? I, I don't I don't know that he did, because she, she takes her two lightsabers and plants them in the ground, which opened up that hole that, as Vader's swinging down at her, like he falls through. Well, he swing. He clearly swings down at her when Ezra reaches in and pulls her out. So he would have seen her disappear, and he would have likely seen Ezra's hand too. It's possible. So I don't know. I just feel like it's a it's a, something that Vader's probably been thinking about for a while. <laughs> like, well, what the it's, hell pos- it's possible that Vader also told Sheev about this, which has given him more information that there is possibly this world beyond worlds thing. Well, um, Anthony Rice in the chat said the episode guide says Vader thinks she's gone because she ceased to exist for the time she was with Ezra, so she was gone from the Sith Temple for the length of time she was with him. Well, and he—I don't know, y'all. This is this is trippy. But also, Vader Vader reports that reports to doesn't Vader report to Palpatine that Ahsoka died. And I, I read somewhere online, it might have been Filoni who said this, or one of the Lucasfilm people, that Vader believes that she's dead because they didn't find her body in the temple after it was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Right. And Ezra told her to contact and Mama Lo makes this point in the chat, Ezra told her to contact him when she gets back. Yeah. In other words, when you catch up with us, get in touch. I, I don't think we're going to see her in the finale. I don't either. I, in fact, I think that Ahsoka is Snoke. Oh, jeez. Ahsoka. 
Here we go. <laughs> I feel like that line that he says to her is important, though. I do, too. I think I that's think, important. I think their fates are going to be tied. I, I don't know if we'll see it in this series, but I think I don't think they're going to kill Ezra, and I think his, his fate's going to be tied with her. Right. Yeah. Now, here's something interesting that I, I read today. I believe it was on... I believe Amy Ratcliffe wrote about this on Nerdist. Uh, and, and Aaron... Please chime in if this was part of the Q and A discussion that you that went on with Floney. But this mission to this temple was it was Canaan sending Ezra to do this to make up for what happened at Malachor. That Canaan felt guilty because he trusted in Maul which led to everything going sideways and going wrong. And that led to them losing Ahsoka. So this was, this was Kanan trying to make that right by having Ezra go back and save Ahsoka. Did Dave talk about that at all? Yeah, actually I think Amy's write up on Nerdist is based on the Q and a. So I think that that was taken directly from the Q and a. So yeah, he did talk about that. So wait a minute. Let let me make sure. So you're saying that this whole trip into the world between worlds is set up by Kanan? Yes. Yes. That would make sense. Well, we're not saying Doom, it. Dave, Dave Filoni is saying right. Doom was pushing him to do this. Right. And Ezra has... Ezra says to the wolves... Doesn't he say it to the wolves that when they went to Malachor, that's when everything started to go wrong? Right. Mm-hmm. And Kanan feels responsible for what went wrong at Malachor, like you were saying, because he trusted Maul when he shouldn't have trusted Maul. He should have seen the evil instead yeah. of trying to see the best in him. He should. I think Filoni's words were something to the extent that Kanan should have just been like, wait a minute, no, we can't trust this guy. We just need to get out of here right now. But I guess once Kanan died and kind of essentially became one with the Force, that you know tapped him into the knowledge that Ahsoka could still be saved because of this this opportunity, mm-hmm. whereas he wouldn't have known that otherwise. But did Ahsoka ever really die then? You know, because no. no. now, no. now we've got the old causal loop. You see, yeah, it's wibbly wobbly, Tommy wimey, but. It's it's actually pretty brilliant the way it all works because we never saw what happened after that door closed in the Malachor Temple that they can now, a couple of years later, go back and do this. Mm-hmm. Because essentially Ezra doesn't change anything. No. It's what always happened. Right, that's my point about her going back to where she was in time. That makes sense. Back yeah. in yeah. time. Um, and you but know, you it's know... possible that, she's, that because she knows this happens too. That she's just been kind of lying low all this time, waiting for this moment to happen in real time before she makes her her presence known again to them. Hmm. That would make sense. And also, it serves a purpose of Ezra not being alone because she helps him understand his almost like his last lesson, which is to let go. Because she she has to tell him. You can't save yours. Right. And because in, in the case of Ezra trying to save Kanan, her point is valid. If Ezra reaches through and grabs Kanan and pulls him in, then Kanan's not there to push the shuttle away from the explosion, and they all die. 
and right. that would change events. So that's where I want to get to on this thing. Because some of this stuff, I have seen some people, and, and I even got an email uh, to the Geek Out Loud email, where someone was kind of irked by this whole thing of, so now you can just retcon everything. You know, you just go to this little room and retcon everything. It's and, a potential reboot engine. Erish, <laughs> mm, I, I, I mean, think about it. Think episode nine ends with maybe Ray and Kylo finding this world beyond worlds and going in there. And like, what if you did. go back? What if you go back and you keep, you know, just think about certain events. Like what if Qui-Gon doesn't die and he lives and trains Anakin, does Anakin then become Vader? Okay. Or and that's, what if so Dave actually and, kind of talked about this a little okay, bit. Okay, cool. Cause he was, cause that, that kind of came up, I think in the Q and a as well. Like, oh, wow, you're introducing this idea that can really change storytelling in Star Wars. And Dave really was kind of like, he he tried to kind of tamper that down and say, hey, this is just something that I came up with specifically for Rebels. It was a storytelling element that I'm using for Rebels, but it was not, you know, done in conjunction with anyone else. Like, it's not part of, you know, the films or anything like that. And he kind of, see, he kind of sees it as his own little thing that... You know, if they want to pick it up and use it in other, other, you know, storytelling, they can. But he, he was almost like making it seem like, you know, this is my own little weird thing that I made up for Rebels, and you know, don't worry, it's not going to mess everything up. I don't think that. I think I think this was introduced specifically for what how they wanted this series to end, and I doubt we'll see this heavily used in other media i'd well, say but but this wasn't just introduced now this was introduced in season one yeah this is the same place that ezra gets the crystal from for his lightsaber it's the same place then, he talks to yoda exactly the same place that kanan is knighted as a jedi this has been around from the beginning of the show i think that i think and granted this is purely fan speculation on my point i know no insider knowledge about this so please i don't want anybody thinking that i know something that for real i just think that this has too much potential for it not to have an impact later on down the road and i'm not saying that they're going to use it like every movie or like every comic and stuff i don't think we may not see it for a while but I think that they've introduced a reboot engine into this franchise that they can go to if they really need it. Well, and I think part of it, it too, is they did put, they almost like destroyed the reboot engine sort of because they killed the temple. Like the temple's completely gone. But I think that just means that that particular doorway to the world between worlds is gone. Not all yeah, of them, yeah. just that one. Cause Palpatine clearly had a way in. Yeah. Well, I think Palpatine had a way in once someone else was there. Yeah, I don't think he has a way in by himself. Right, but uh, but he there was clearly some sort of gate that opened. Right. You know, that uh, that allowed him cuz he did physically enter it at one point, like at least part of his arm came through. You know, and he was using some weird Sith magic and stuff to make this happen because he was like speaking in tongues or something. Well, we saw there. them. Did we saw them do that in um, in the Clone Wars? 
Night Sisters. Yeah. But did yeah, didn't but didn't he and Dooku get around a bowl? Didn't he get around a bowl or something with Dooku? And burn a little something something like that? I don't, I, I don't remember. Aaron Aaron. 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 <laughs> Our Clone Wars expert. <laughs> I think Steve's right. I, I vaguely remember this. I just rewatched the Yoda episodes, by the way. Yeah, you, you mentioned something on Twitter about certain episodes. What was that? So the final two episodes of the Clone Wars, the the lost missions that you mm-hmm. can get on Netflix, um, go watch those right away, because it's. I think those actually are more relevant to what's happening than the Mortis episodes. Okay. Kind of what Yoda goes through and all that stuff. Um, they actually talk about the connection between the living force and the cosmic force and just different terminology that comes up. Definitely watch those episodes if you haven't seen them in a while. All right. So yeah, if you watch it, that's when this happened, right? In season third, in, in, in season six, when, uh, here we go. Uh, guys, I'm just going to do this real quick. This is Yoda. Yep. It is a chamber where the Sith would sacrifice Jedi. The Sith of your time will find you there and you will find them. Be careful, for what they may offer will certainly feel like an answer. So Yoda's going into this cave, basically being led by the by the Kabuki priestess. And the idea is he's going to find his modern-day Sith in there. Yes, and here comes Palpatine and Dooku to a little bird feeder. Or bird bath, I should say. of someone significant to you would allow you to sense this ripple through time and space. Look at that. Ripple My through time old and space. Master Yoda. Yes. Master Yoda has come to Moraband. Although why, I do not know. We shall, however, use the strong bond that once existed between you and your master to allow us to see things that we otherwise could not. How can this be done, Master? It is an old art of the dark side. Now, hold up your hand, apprentice. All right, so he's going to cut... Uh, creepy. He's going to cut Dooku's hand with a knife, and it's going to go into the bird bath. To begin. And there's a little water there. And so he's hitting it with lightning and Dooku is too. Yeah, it's kind of a similar thing, and there's blue flame coming up from it. And he, and he said all his magic I got I got to watch those. Yeah. It's all connected. I knew yep. I'd seen that. Thank you, Aaron, for getting my back. <laughs> so, yeah, and so they actually, you know, end up having a little bit of a fight with Yoda in some way, because that's where uh, uh, Sifo-Dyas comes into play and everything. And it gets crazy, y'all. It gets really well, I crazy. I forgot how good some of those episodes of the Clone I'm just Wars are. watching. I always here. try to rewatch, and I only rewatch like the first five episodes. I I always get stuck on the malevolence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when he's, I love in the malevolence arc when he's like, "I was spinning. It's a good trick." Um, <laughs> uh, I forgot how beautifully these things were animated. Like I haven't watched them in long. I've got it. Okay, that's it. I know what I'm doing all night tonight. 
Into the breach, my dear friend. So yeah, so that's what I was, I, I was just saying. It felt really familiar, the Emperor doing that. And here you saw, he said through space and time that there's someone, you know, so Yoda's obviously, as Aaron, you said, he's walking in some ways in this world between worlds. So this is a concept that's been around, you know, floating, beginning with George. George was involved in these things. Mm-hmm. So so this is a Lucasian kind of thing that Filoni's taking and running with. And I don't know that he did this, and, and, and I'm glad that you, you know, that he said he's just doing this as for his story in Rebels. But I my fear is that it could be abused as a reboot engine. I, I think that that's dangerous territory to trod because this is one of those things that I don't think it was put there to meant to be used in that way. Um, I... I think that that it's meant to show the the whole cosmic force, living force thing, you know, and, and being in and truly being in between worlds, and something that the ancients may have tapped into, um, and you know, and people like the Bindu or the Mortis gods or even the wolves kind of get, you know, I don't think it's an accident that it's the wolves that form that entrance, you know. Um, mm. I hope that because of the connected storytelling that's going on with Lucasfilm and the story group and the members of the story group have an understanding of kind of the purpose of this stuff that's going on right now, that it it would be something that they would keep really close, that they're, they're, they're going to be pretty picky about when this can be used. Well, I hope um, so. You I know, maybe so. five, ten years from now when things are a little bit different. We, it might be it might be different, but I don't I just don't think anytime soon we're gonna see this concept pop back up. No, but you did bring up the how interconnected everything is, and there's all the voices that we hear inside of the world between worlds, and it's not just Force users. I mean, Aaron, you pointed out like you heard Jen, and she was in there. Yep, it's somebody from. There is a voice from every movie mm-hmm. that you hear. I mean, there's Yoda, there's Maz, there's Ray. I heard Maz. I heard Poe, Kylo. I, heard, I didn't hear Poe or I didn't hear Poe or Jin, but I did hear. I heard Maz, and of course, I heard all the Obi Wan stuff and Vader. Yeah. And, I heard well, Jin today, and you. The part you hear from her is when she says, "The time to fight is now." Yeah. yeah. And it's different Obi Wans too. It's. Mm-hmm. It's the Stephen Stanton Obi-Wan from last season. It's James Arnold Taylor's Obi-Wan from Clone Wars. Like, it's uh, the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan. Yeah. Like, the different actors who portrayed Obi-Wan. Oh, man, when you hear Obi-Wan say, when you hear old Ben say, well, the Force is an energy field. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And I'm like, but that happens later on. Uh, and, and, that, and that was when I, I was like, I better sit up and pay attention. Because we really were getting lines from past and future in that moment to let you know that we're in an era, in an area in in time and space that, that truly is a world between worlds. Yeah, well, did and you it, hear Leia say, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yes, I was like, what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it might have been on Rebels Recon that Filoni said this, where this was all intentional just to show that all this storytelling is connected. Mm-hmm. Right. Mind blown. That's yeah. like why we're all quiet right now. Well, I, I just, I just, I mean, the fun of it, like all day long, I've been like talking to people in the office and texting with people. My brother in law texted me the afternoon. He's like, Ray can go back and save Han. 
Oh, oh no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. But, you know, but this is like the fun that people are having yeah. with this right now. It's like all the different possibilities. Well, but see, and that's, and, and again, I guess, and this is me being an old fuddy-duddy, that's my fear is this is something that, you know, that gets into Marvel Universe territory, not Star Wars territory, where you can, you know, go and beseech the Watcher to send you to this other dimension to slip back into your dimension at the right time to save Reed Richards from dying or, you know, or whatever the case may be. I, I feel like Star Wars still needs to be a place of, of stakes. It still needs to be a place where when it happens, no matter how sad it is, it happens. Um, you know, okay, we, but fairness, none of us seem to have a problem with Ezra going back and saving Ahsoka. Okay. I actually do a little bit, mm, but please Aaron expound on that. If you can, if you can, yeah. other than, well, I, I mean, I, I always like when a character, if a character dies, mm -hmm. you know, and it's supposed to be an important event, I kind of like it to stay that way. Even if I like that character, Kind of like what happened with Kanan. You know, I love Kanan. He's probably my favorite Star Wars character now after The Last Jedi. But the seeing Ezra having the opportunity to save him, I never wanted Ezra to save him. I no, was like, no, did I. he needs to die. That he, It was an important death, a meaningful death. You know, as much as I love that character, I don't want Ezra to save him. Right. I kind of felt the same way with, with Ahsoka. You know, it seemed like she... You know, we weren't even sure if she was alive or dead anyways, so I'm more okay with it. But I kind of liked the fact that Ahsoka, you know, f went out fighting Vader and we may never see her again. You know, I I do think bringing her back into the show, especially if she doesn't have anything to do with, like, the finale of the show, seems a little bit like fan service more than anything else. But he said something in Rebels Recon about that, and they they I mean, it might have been Carrie Beck or somebody said that they think this was the plan all along. This was he never intended to kill her. Yeah, I don't think it's fan service. I think it's felony service. Yeah, it's probably just for him because this is like his character, like his yeah. baby, you right. know. Right, which, and, I, and, and I which think didn't surprise me at all, and it, and you know, bringing her back, I'm fine with it. I'm not, I don't dislike it. It was just kind of like if I had my preference, I probably would have rather they left it the way it was, and maybe even leave her a mystery, like is she alive, is she not, to make it this clear cut uh, for her to come back, and then now probably going to go off, and we're not going to really know what happens after this. I don't, you know, whatever, <laughs> it is what it is, but it definitely comes across as you know, oh, people are going to really like this. Um, it's going to make a lot of fans happy to see her back. Uh, for, for me, it worked because it because we got resolution to it. You know, we didn't we didn't know if Ahsoka was alive or dead. So by doing this, we see what actually happened inside the temple. We see what happened to her. It all worked, and it also doesn't change the story that we've seen after the fact. You know, it doesn't doesn't change anything whereas if he had saved Kanan it would have changed things all right guys I've pulled so, up the I've pulled up the ending of the finale here from season two Kanan and Ezra fly off as the door shuts and we and the last thing we see is Ahsoka going down on one knee with the two lightsabers behind her to block a slash from Vader after that we stay on the um the ghost the phantom uh you know uh the little ship from the ghost and um and Canaan and Ezra and we see the Sith temple kind of kind of blow up 
is is what we see. And then uh, after it cuts to them on that planet where they were hiding out for a little bit, um, we go back to Maul flying away, and then Vader stumbling out of the temple. There's the little condivore, whatever you call them, flying away. And then it cuts to that door, and you clearly see Ahsoka in, and she's stepping down steps. So there's enough distance between Vader and Ahsoka, and, and the explosion or the the energy given off by that Sith temple was so great that Vader very well thought, okay, Ahsoka's been done away with. Um, and and so Ezra reaching in and pulling her out doesn't change things. It is actually the reason that she does. Because two years later, in the world between worlds, Ezra's there. So it becomes it becomes a Doc builds the time machine kind of moment. You right. know, it, it becomes that 1955 moment or 1985 moment, whichever one of those is the mo- is the main point in the in the time stream. But um, I I don't I don't know that the idea is there that we can go back and change. And I think that I think the whole idea of changing anything is put to bed when Ahsoka does stop Kanan or stop Ezra from rescuing Kanan. You can't do this without changing things, without you being destroyed. And you know, I just I hate time travel. I hate it, and I don't want to get in. Me- it's messy. It's never clean. Yeah, and I and so I don't want to get into it in Star Wars, and so I kind of side with you a little bit, Aaron. But on the other hand, I, I I'm kind of glad that we're getting some resolution. I am very glad we're getting some resolution with this Ahsoka thing. And if this is the only thing we do to reach through time, I'm okay with it. You know, but now I think, and- I think that's gonna be the case. I I mean, call me out if if I'm proven wrong eventually, but. I really think that this is a device specifically for this show. I do not think we're going to see some influx of time travel or team-ups across time because, oh, we always wanted to see this character fight alongside this character, so now they can because there's this thing. I, I just don't think we're going to see that unless they do some kind of, like, you know, non-canon infinities type thing just for the fun of it. Right. Well, I hope um, so. I hope you're right because here's the thing. Given this, as Aaron calls it, reboot engine, in the wrong hands, it could end up really messing things up. You know, it could end up being the being a terrible thing. Um, and, you know, and, and it just all... Now, granted, we may be long gone when they finally say, well, hey, let's go back to that world between worlds and start things over. You know, or we'll just be old in a nursing home together like, well, did you see what they did? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I hope it's after I die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like time travel, but I like it in certain things. I don't, I don't need Star Wars and Doctor Who to become one thing. Right, and that's the thing. And the reason I say I fear that is because this is, you know, and, and Aaron, you mentioned the story group earlier, and you know, and the connectivity and everything. This is the same story group that approved within the first two issues of the new Star Wars comic book, you know, that take place right after A New Hope to have Vader holding his old lightsaber. You know, and getting it from Luke, which I thought was way too much too soon. Um, and that's just me as a fan. I mean, like, really? I'm like, well, hold on. You know, let this be a moment later on down the road. But right now, you know, it just Look, seems... Look, they, they, they approved the Tootle Fruits. Uh, mm. I like the Tootle Fruits. I'm the only person in the world that does, but I do. Mm. So when, when the portal's closed, now, do you guys think that means... Because, Teresa, you said this earlier. You think it means done forever. It can't be raised again because there's still that symbol on the ground. No, I think that the, I think this portal is closed. This yes. doorway to 
a world between worlds is closed. That doesn't mm. mean that there's not another one. This Jedi temple is gone. And when Maul comes back again, he'll find <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, when Maul returns again. Yeah, now Teresa, if Ezra went back and saved oh, Maul from Obi-Wan. Oh, my God. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> now things have gotten interesting. I take back everything I said. Well, I here's the thing is I think that you've got a, a really um, – you you've got a really neat situation here now where um, <laughs> where Ahsoka is the new Maul. Oh right! <laughs> she just will not die. She just will not uh, die. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. I, you look don't 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 take that the wrong way. I'm glad she's around, but um, I love Ahsoka as long as it allows Ashley to continue to be a part of Star Wars. I'm cool yeah. with that. I like the idea of of Ahsoka having something to do in any other projects that Filoni works on. Like he kind of becomes her her calling card in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because he really is her character at the end of the day. And um, and I'd rather see, you know, as I'm glad it was Filoni that did this with her and not um, you know, not not someone else. Well, and oh. I. Think- I think this goes back to how Clone Wars ended too, you know. Filoni F- and Filoni said this at celebration, where, you know, he gets a chance to end the show the way he wants to end it. Right. So I don't think he's gonna, you know, leave the fate of Ahsoka Tano, possibly to somebody else ten years down the road, if he has a say in what happens to her now. Mm-hmm. I think he gets to make an Ahsoka movie for the two years of what she's been doing since she walked away. Yes! Look, I think they should make animated movies the way DC, you know, Warner Brothers does for DC Comics. I don't don't know that I want to see Ahsoka as live action just because we, she's so ingrained in us as an animated character. I, I don't know how that would work as a live action movie, but I would kill to see uh, even the same animation style in a Sokotano movie. Hmm. I'd be there I, in a second. I would love it in live action if Ashley gets to play her, because when she cosplayed as her with the Leku and everything, she looked exactly like her. Okay. But I probably would prefer it in animated form. But you know, Rosario Dawson has said she wanted to play Ahsoka. It's true. Just saying. Look, Rosario Dawson's trying to get Clerks Three made too. Rosario Dawson, um, which I'd be all for, with with an Ahsoka with uh, Ashley doing the the looping the ADR. Hmm. Ashley's voice <laughs> to Rosario's acting. Um. Hey. Hey guys, thanks uh, for letting me jump yes, in, but sir. I'm gonna have to jump out. As well, well, have you got any other re- anything to report from your time in San Francisco? Uh, nothing else notable sticks out, and I think, like I said, I think Amy Ratcliffe's article is based on the Q and A. Mm-hmm. So, for people that haven't read through that, might want to check that out. Okay. And I know somebody got full audio from it too, so I'm sure that's floating around out there somewhere too. All right. Well, that's Aaron Goins, everybody. Aaron, thanks for stopping by, my friend. All right, thanks for letting me. Talk to you guys soon. Talk to you soon. Peace, brother. Check Bye. out check out Star Wars Bookworms and Bad Wolf Radio. Uh, Teresa, you got anything else on these first four episodes as we lead into the old finale? 
Not really. I'm just kind of scared of what's coming, to be honest. Well, the, I, I did notice that someone had tweeted out that this is a Disney XD has put out a quick little one minute promo for the finale. They did. And there was also a clip on Rebels Recon and the clip on Rebels Recon showed the return of Hondo, which I'm so excited for. I want to see the end of Hondo just to know what actually happens to him. Uh, you know, he can exist forever like Ahsoka, I guess. I'm fine with that, but I was glad to see that. Well, here's the here's that finale. You chose to be a Jedi. Prepare yourself. For all those abilities, all the power, the Jedi lacked the vision for how to wield it. I know what I have to do now. Everything I've done and will do began with you. Fire. Just received a transmission from Chopper. They're under attack. There's too many! Your little rebellion ends right now. I think we're out of time. For that boy, there is nothing I would not do. Let's finish this. Destroy him. Sam, don't! I won't let you go. The Force will be with you. Always. Oh, well, a lot of sharp, quick cuts there. Ezra jumping across a chasm to uh, cut down some stormtroopers. A lot of war stuff going on. Of course, the vo the voiceover was first. You heard Thrawn, but then you heard Hondo saying, I believe that was Hondo, saying he would do anything for that boy, I guess meaning Ezra. Um, and then Zeb is jumping into something, and Callus is telling him not to. Um where can people watch that if they want to watch uh, You can that? go to Disney XD's uh, YouTube um, channel. Uh, I just saw it tweeted out by at Rebel Cells. That's C-E-L-S, as in like an animation cell. On the Twitter, they tweeted out a link to it. Um, I'll put a link in our little Skype chat here. I think if you just... Google Star Wars Rebels series finale trailer, you'll find it. Yeah, it's on the Disney XD um, YouTube. So it's relatively new, just went up today, I, I think while we were doing the show. Um, but yeah, a lot of intensity there uh, with what's going on. So, and only one clip that we've seen with Ezra kind of raising his head up and the wolf coming up behind him, or maybe we've seen that in another trailer. We saw that in that first trailer. That's right, that's right. The ghost is in play, ladies and gentlemen. The aforementioned ghost is going to be around in the finale. So, thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness is right. So, I guess Rex is going to come into the fray. Rex and Callus bringing the ghost to Lothal. Um, so that'll be some good stuff. So, Eris, you got anything else to say about these first four episodes? Just, I mean, once again, Star Wars Rebels delivering fantastic storytelling. It's, the series has been so amazing. It, I, I think it's right up there for me with A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. You know, is some of the best Star Wars storytelling there's been. I am, <clears throat> I'm inclined to agree. I, I'm inclined to uh, to say that. And and look, I I felt that way about uh, the Clone Wars when the Clone Wars storytelling would get really ramped up. And, and I've felt that way for sure about Rebels, which, again, it's this odd thing. You know, here we are four years later uh, with a show that I was convinced I would not like. Um, 
I was convinced that the characters were going to be too contrived from original trilogy characters and that there was just not going to be anything in here for me. And then bang within, I, I can tell you the moment when I bought in and that is the moment when Kanan puts his lightsaber together and dodges a blaster bolt. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in guys. Hey, this is my show now. And so definitely going to miss it when it's gone. But, um, Man, all good things must come to an end. But you're right, Eric. I feel like it's been right up there with, with some original trilogy stuff, and um, and so looking forward to see what's in store next for Filoni and company, and for Lucasfilm Animation, and for all of us as we continue down this Star Wars journey. Well, Star Wars isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So everyone, strap in. It's still here, and will be for a while. Uh, Teresa, anything we need to tell everybody? I don't think so. All right. Just, just there's going to be some exciting stuff on our next episode. That's well, yeah, the big finale coming up, and uh, we'll be doing that next week. And our last episode. Yeah, the final episode of Star Wars Rebel Yell of Disney Vault Talks Rebel Yell. So, you know, break out the champagne and whatever else. We're gonna we'll party like it's 1999. So it'll be a big time. We'll try to have as many people on in and out as we can, maybe, to talk about yeah, stuff. So that would be fun. We might have to do. May not be our last episode. We should do a wrap up episode after it's all over. Teresa always trying to figure out how to squeeze more podcast out of me. You're welcome. What would, wait, what would we be wrapping up? I mean, we're wrapping up. I don't and... know. <laughs> I don't know. I have ideas. Do a Rebel Yell episode on our Rebel Yell episode where we analyze everything that we yes. said. Yes. Yes. And then we can break down all of Stuffity's videos. And then we can uh, we can go back and do commentaries on every Rebels episode. <laughs> this thing could go on forever, but it won't. All right, everyone. That's it for now. For Teresa, for Arish, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the final Rebel Yell. Have a good one, everybody. Master Luke, Rasnan Yamiko, Yakobo, Munaka, Vindomaki Maki, Wizard, not Chewbacca.